Well, hey, uh, for those who are new to Creekside, my name is George. Uh, I typically lead the worship and the, the, the youth ministry here. And uh, it's, it's been a, a, I mean, it's a joy to do so. And um, yeah, Pastor Terry's still on vacation. And, and I know he's praying for you. And he's, uh, he's praying that God speaks to you in a new way. And that's what we're praying for too. And this morning, uh, I want to talk a little bit about encouragement. Uh, I get Barnabas, and he's one of the, the uh, best examples we can uh, look at as far as encouragement. And encouragement in Scripture has a, broad, it has a broad range of meaning. I mean, it was hard to nail down one aspect of encouragement because it, the, the meaning of it is so many. The Bible talks about it constantly. Jonathan encouraged David. Mordecai encouraged Esther. Nathan encouraged David. Barnabas encouraged Paul. Paul encouraged Timothy. In fact, virtually all the great Bible characters had at least one encourager behind them. And this points out one universal truth about encouragers. They tend to work behind the scenes, don't they? Encouragers, encouragers aren't necessarily anonymous. See, people like Jonathan, people like Mordecai and Barnabas, they're not exactly unknowns. But encouragers usually stay out of the spotlight, and instead they put the spotlight on other people. Helping them find their comfort or strength that they need to keep going. Abraham Lincoln uh, had this quote. It says, you cannot climb a ladder by knocking down the person on the ladder that is higher than you. Push them up a step and guess what? You move up a step. So this week's discussion, what I'd like to talk about this morning, I hope will provide an insightful look into the life of someone who set the world on fire with their go-getter attitude. Their riot-inducing faith. And this week we look at some, someone who fanned the flames of some of our heroes of faith. Barnabas is someone who put the go-get'em in the go-getters. Without encouragers like Barnabas, we wouldn't have any world conquerors. We wouldn't have the heroes of faith that we have today. Uh, encouragement takes on many different forms. And I want to show a, a quick uh, video about a, a couple different forms that uh, are examples that you probably wouldn't want to follow. But the third, pay attention to him and kind of glean some insight from this. Take a look at the screens. I think I need to get a personal trainer. I really need some encouragement. Because I know I can't do this on my own. This guy looks like a good challenge. Sweet, right on time. You must be Nitro, I'm normal. You're late, scumbag! 150 pounds, 50 reps, 30 seconds! Yeah! You're gonna need this! You're a pathetic bag of maggots, Norma! You're not gonna make it! Time's up, Shirley Temple! And you failed! Looks like you need some supplement! Protein! Protein! Yeah! Another 150, 50 reps, 30 seconds! Oh yeah? You think that's hard? Well, how about more? Oh, come on, Dorothy! 
Nat! I need somebody easier. This guy looks good. You must be Alan. Uh, I'm so sorry I'm late. Alan? Hi! Oh, my wife says I'm a hugger. God bless you for coming out here to exercise. You must be nervous. So, what should I do? What do you want to do, Norman? It'll be fun anyway we try. I guess I'm just gonna go over here. Okay, but don't work yourself too hard, Mr. Muscles. Little inspiration, Norman. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain. And this is starting to burn. Don't think I can go much further. Sure could use some encouragement. Oh, Norman, your face is all red. You know what you need? A Jamba Juice. I'm flabby and out of shape, and I want to work out. God loves you just the way you are. Man, what a weirdo. There's got to be somebody good. Hey, you must be Norman. Yeah. Pleased to meet you, man. I'm Troy. It's me. Looking forward to getting you in shape. All right, let's go. Try to be best, cause you're only a man, and a man's got to learn to do it. Try to believe, though the going gets rough, that you got a hand tough to make it. History repeats itself, try and you succeed. Never doubt that you're the one, and you can have your dream. You're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. You're the best around. That, that last segment was our homage to every cheesy 80s montage you can come up with. It's a, good job, Anthony, and, and, the, and the team. They did a, a great job of listening to report. Let me ask you this. Out of those three type of encouragers, which one would you pick? I'm going to let that one lie. Because I got a I gotta good... <laughs> I mean, really, which one would you pick? Do you want Nitro, the one that's just in your face, putting you down, ripping you up, telling you you're no good, you're out of shape, you're flabby? Or do you want the guy that said, hey, whatever, man, just uh, Alan, I think his name was, right? Whatever, man, just, you know, you're good the way you are. Or do you want Troy, the one that says, man, how you doing? I'm glad you can make it. Let me get to know you a little bit. Uh, and, and this is what we're going to do with the right amount of challenge and the right amount of support. Which one would you want? <laughs> Alan? <laughs> Listen, encouragement never tears down. It never rips apart. Encouragement never settles for status quo. It never accepts you where you are. It always has better, uh, a, a better future. It always draws out potential. Generally, encouragement should take on uh, these three forms. One, uh, uh, encouragement should be comfort. Encourager, encouragers cheer the spirit of those who are down. They lift us up when we're hurt, often by hurting with us, empathizing with us, praying with us, and sharing words of hope with us. That's some pretty good encouragement, right? Encouragement also affirms. Encouragers also affirm our strengths. They push us to move out and use our gifts 
Paul often encouraged Timothy in this way. Timothy was a gifted minister. He was young, but his youthfulness and, and timidity tended to hold him back. So Paul constantly backed him up by reminding him of his upbringing, by reminding him of his gifts and calling. Without Paul's affirmation, Timothy could not have led churches like he did. Encouragers also exhort or teach, build up, pump up. Sometimes encouragers kick us in the pants with a strong challenge in a healthy way. Because they believe in us. They don't allow us to get away with less than our best. If we get distracted from the truth, if we fall into sin, if we become disconnected or get out of step with God's spirit, encouragers come alongside to pump us up and get, back, get us back in the game. Now listen, if you've ever been encouraged, you know the power it has. If you ever lacked encouragement, you know how much it hurts. And if we all became encouragers, man, the possibilities of life impact would be limitless, wouldn't it? William Barclay wrote this, It's easy to laugh at men's ideals. It's easy to discourage others. The, word, the world is full of discouragement and discouragers. But we have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Hebrews 10, chapter 10 speaks of encouragement. Uh, it's up here. Let, let's read this together. Can we do that? Can you guys see that all right? Here we go. One, two, three. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You got the wrong verse up there? Oh. <laughs> You're supposed to know this. That's what the dot dot means. I didn't put the fill in the blank on your notes. It's on the PowerPoint. <laughs> All right. Okay, but so let's do this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us... <laughs> Good job, guys. That's my word. You know what? Turn, high five your neighbor. You know, if you leave with anything, let's leave with no. We've got to keep the high five alive. And, and there's no better place to do it in, than church. Okay. So Barnabas provides an, an excellent example of the many different forms encouragement can take. And uh, I just want to quickly go through a brief character study of, of Barnabas, highlighting uh, four ways he really encouraged others. So there's two parts to what I want to share this morning. One is a, a brief character study in four aspects of Barnab Barnabas's life and how he encouraged others, and then three examples of how we can walk this out in our own life and in, in the context of, of a, a church and just out there in the real world. Uh, Barnabas, he was the ultimate encourager. Encouragement, uh, there's, uh, the types of encouragement we already talked about, right? Comforter. Uh, uh, affirmer. Exhorter. What else? There's one more. Okay, I'm just seeing if you guys are listening. You're doing a good job. 
Okay. Did you know that Barnabas' nickname was what? That's a true pastor right there. Son of encouragement. And back in those times, you know, your surname, your, your nickname, I mean, it labeled, it defined you. It, 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 it told people who you were and what you were about. And Barnabas was a son of encouragement. And it's because of these four things. In, Acts, in, in the book of Acts, it really outlines some extraordinary things that Barnabas, Barnabas has done as an encourager. It says in Acts chapter 4, Barnabas sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles' feet. Barnabas was an encourager of those in need. We usually think of encouragement as encouraging words, but in this case, the form of encouragement is a financial gift. Barnabas sold his property so that the poor in his church could have their basic needs met. The result of such generosity is mentioned in three verses earlier. There were no needy people among them. Wouldn't it be great if we could say that at Creekside Church? And we do. This church does extraordinary things. This church, I mean, this is an encouraging church. And I'm encouraged by it. Also, uh, Barnabas encouraged Paul. It says in Acts chapter 9, when Paul tried to join the disciples, they were all afraid of him. Not believing he really was a disciple. But Barnabas brought him to the apostles and he told them how Paul had seen the Lord and how he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Because we all know who Paul was as Saul, right? He was a bad dude. And we're going to learn about, more, about his life more when Pastor Terry gets back. See, Barnabas backed up Paul in his attempt to gain acceptance into the church. Though they all had reason to believe that Paul was a fraud because of where he came from, trying to trick and trap them, Barnabas believed the best. He affirmed Paul's experience with Christ and challenged the church to accept him as one of their own. Barnabas encouraged new believers. In Acts chapter 11, when Barnabas arrived in Antioch and saw the evidence of God's grace, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. See, Antioch was one of the first places in which non-Jews became Christ followers, became Christians. The Jerusalem church was suspicious of this and wanted to check the validity of their faith. So who did they send for? They sent for Barnabas. He saw God's grace and their faith at work. And he happily affirmed them and challenged them to love God with all they had. Also, Barnabas encouraged Mark. It says in Acts chapter 15, Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. In Acts 15, uh, Mark, Mark, a young believer with unrealized potential. Unrealized potential had earlier joined Paul and Barnabas on a mission trip. But for some reason, he had, he had abandoned them partway through. Now, as they prepared for the second journey, a dispute broke out between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to give Mark a second chance, but Paul felt Mark had already proven himself unreliable. So the two parted companies. Paul took Silas and sailed off on some of the most famous mission trips ever. Barnabas took Mark and went on a mini trip to Cyprus, his homeland. And from that time on, Barnabas is never mentioned again in the book of Acts. 
But he lifted, or he lifted up, he backed up, and he pumped up Mark. This young man went on to write one of the books of the Bible. He was also reconciled to Paul and assisted him in ministry many years later down the road. Barnabas made the ultimate sacrifice. Laying aside his prominence to allow men like Paul and Mark to reach their full potential. See, we encourage others. When we encourage others like Barnabas, and I mean, in my head, this sounded real good, and I wrote it down. I want, I want to see if it paints a picture for you. Okay? When we encourage others like Barnabas, it's like a, a vibrantly articulated piece of artwork proudly displayed on the support structures of our lives. Prominently displayed in a way that one can routinely gaze upon their meaning and reflect on the value and the intent of the artist who painted it just for us. Those who speak words of encouragement are the artists, and those who are encouraged are the grateful owners and exhibitors of those framed pieces of potential. God-given potential. It's the art of encouragement. So now what? How, how, how do we paint this picture? How do we become the Rembrandt of encouragers? Hebrews 3, 12-13 says this, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily. How often? Daily. daily. As long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So how do we walk this out? What, what's our role? What, what are some of the things we can do? What are some of the brush strokes? that we can lay out on canvas and give to somebody. Number one, we are to encourage daily. And what's that mean? Hebrews 3.13 reminds us that encouragement is something we do daily. The word encourage is in the present tense. It means a habit or a way of life. In fact, Hebrews commands us to do this, listen, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. It is also active in voice. And it means we don't wait for others to encourage us. But we take the initiative. And we must encourage even if others do not encourage us back or could not. Note that we are to encourage one another. And since we live for, live for and follow Jesus Christ... We should spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We do this when we come together. No matter if it's in church services, or if, at, if it's at school, or if it's at work. When we, as Christ followers, are gathered, we should encourage each other. A study was done among American, uh, uh, former American prisoners of war. To learn what methods used by the enemies were most effective in breaking their spirit. Now listen. The top two things that were most effective in breaking their spirit was not a lack of food. Was not a lack of sleep. I mean those are bad. We all know how bad those things are. But those weren't the top two. The top two things that were most effective in breaking uh, their spirit was solitary confinement 
and changing prisoners from camp to camp so they couldn't develop any lasting friendships among their, among their fellow prisoners. The study also showed that the soldiers drew their greatest strength from the close attachments they had formed in their small military units. Their will to survive did not come from faith in their country or their belief in the, the rightness of their cause. It came from their relationships with fellow soldiers. Some soldiers will just stay in the military because of the relationships and the bonds that were formed. And because God designed us with a tremendous need for encouraging relationships, many people turn to counterfeit forms of encouragement, don't they? Let's take the neighborhood bar, for example. <laughs> Listen, it's an imitation. Dispensing liquor instead of grace. Escape rather than reality. But it is permissive, it's accepting, and it's inclusive in fellowship. It's unbelievable. You can tell people secrets they usually don't tell others or even want to tell people. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known. Love and be loved. And so many seek, counterfeit, or seek a counterfeit at the price of a couple beers. Genuine encouragement is vital in order to keep people involved and motivated in the Christian life, in the kingdom of God. Encouragement is showing people that we care about them and that they are important to us. Someone said, flatter me and I may not, and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But encourage me and I will not forget you. Do you know that there are people, there are members, former members, visitors of Creekside Church... And there's others who had some association with this congregation who think we don't care about them. It's true. Now I know we do, or at least I would like to think that we care enough and are concerned enough for others. But if we are not actively making it a point to show others we care, the bottom line is they're going to think we don't. Matthew 18 talks about the lost sheep, doesn't it? So sometimes we must go and look for those who have left the flock and show them that we do miss them, that we do care for them. God knew that people needed relationships to remain healthy. Look at Genesis 2. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. This is after he just got done creating a lot of things. I said, this is good, this is good, this is good. But it's not good that you are alone. Again, in Hebrews 10.24, it said, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, we need others for encouragement to stay faithful. We need others so we will not become separated. It has been studied that each new convert to, to Christ needs at least seven relationships with mature Christ followers in order for them to stay faithful to Jesus and his church. At least seven. 
Now, peer pressure works both ways. I understand. If there's a group of people who are trying to get me to do something that I don't want to do, I do it so I won't be made fun of. You ever been in that situation? You won't be rejected, ridiculed, put down. That's a type of peer pressure. Now, the other type of peer pressure is when we surround ourselves with people who want the best for us. And when we want to uh, do something wrong, they can help us and encourage us not to make the stupid decision. Hebrews 3.13, friends, is a command. Not an option. Not if you feel like it. Not if you're up to it. It's just not the preacher's public encouragement of the uh, congregation. A pastor cannot watch over the church 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Especially in in, in private times. And it, it breaks our heart as pastors to see people fall through the cracks. It breaks our heart as pastors to see people walk out those doors and not come back. Not because we're about numbers, but because we have a genuine concern that there may be a a real disconnect from faith, from God, from a relationship, from, from an encouraging environment such as this. We never want that to happen as pastors, as leaders, as staff. But that's why Hebrew says all of us and not the pastor alone need to encourage one another. We need friends in the church who will help others in their spiritual life to do life together. We need parents who encourage your children by reading the Bible and bringing them into church, praying with them at night. We need, we need Sunday school teachers who teach, visit, call, and relate to children in ways that others cannot. And this is one of my favorites. This is a, this is a core value of my life. Uh, and I value our, our senior saints. We need senior saints who can encourage the young with their experience of Christ, their experience in life, and their experience in church. And it's vital. And, and senior saints, you've got to be sharing that. Find ways to, to build relationships with us, us, us young people, myself included. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Okay, inside I mean. <laughs> Number two, we are to encourage we are to encourage in the assembly or in the meeting together. As a family in Christ, we should think about and do things that will encourage one another. Remember the world's full of discouragement. You walk out those doors, you're discouraged. I mean, it, it, it's we need more encouragers. And one of the places that that should be prominent is here in, in church or within the the the, the family of God. Hebrews 10.24 is teaching us just not to know how to encourage one another, but actually go and do and help others to love uh, and encourage them on to good deeds. The Bible teaches one means, one means of uh, encouraging one another. My brain went faster than my mouth. The Bible teaches us one means of encouraging one another, and that's in the setting of corporate worship. Love for our brothers and sisters in Christ cannot be shown in separation. We must do it together. The thought is not so much that they were to encourage one another to just simply meet together. 
but they were to meet together where encouragement was available and where encouragement was exemplified. There's an old Swedish motto that says, shared joy is, is double joy, but shared sorrow is half the sorrow. How can Christians be encouraged when they are absent from the assembly? Because a result, listen to this, a result of a habitual neglect of meeting together can lead to one's desertion of faith. They fall away. Notice what Hebrews 10.25 is talking about. It's just not mere church attendance. It's about wholehearted, severe, or sincere, devout, and faithful worship of God and the, nece- and the necessity for constant encouragement to stay faithful to God until Christ comes again. We don't know when that is. But we aren't to encourage one another until that day. It is not enough to be physically present for the worship service. Our hearts, our minds, our spirit must be present. This is what Jesus meant when he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Ouch. Just being here physically is not enough. We have to be prepared and we have to be willing to have an attitude to worship and encourage Something must happen on the inside. Forms, forms of godliness lack power without a partnership of a willing spirit. No Christ, follower, uh, no Christ follower can be enthusiastic about their faith and the things of God without taking public worship seriously. This is where we are reminded of our first love, Jesus Christ. And where we worship God. And where we come in contact with others who are striving to live a Christian life as we are. And where we find encouragement through one another. Now it is true that, that we need to pray. We need to study God's word in our, own, in, in our own private devotional time. But as Hebrews 10, 25 puts it, we need more than just to increase our knowledge about God. We need to worship God with others. We need to see that we are not the only ones struggling to live this life out. And we need to be encouraged to continue on in our faith. Proverbs 27, verse 17 is a famous verse. It says, as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpens the minds. Friends sharpen the minds of one another. During the reign of Oliver Cromwell, the British government began to run low on silver for coins. So Lord Cromwell sent his men on an investigation of the local cathedral to see if they could find any precious uh, metals there. After the investigation, they reported, the only silver we could find is in the statue of the saints standing in the corners of the cathedrals. Lord Cromwell replied, good, we'll melt down the saints and we'll put them into circulation. But that, that brings up a truth, doesn't it? Just being among the saints is not the sacrifice alone. We must be melted down 
and put into circulation, meaning we must be involved and interacting with one another, encouraging one another, involved with one another, doing life together with one another. I, I want to I do this. Everybody stand up. Just stand up. Ah, oh, junk. He's making it interactive. I know. A couple of you were falling asleep, so I just want to wake you up anyway. Let's do this. I mean, this, this, this is a, a simple exercise. We're going to get a little uncomfortable. If you're new, you're going to be uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> raise your hands like this. Put them up. I want you to repeat after me. I want to be, be all that God has created me to be. Now, here's the uncomfortable part. I want you to grab the wrist of the person you, you're standing next to. I said wrist because I don't want to put you through the sweaty hand thing. And, and if they got sweaty wrists, that's, that's a whole different issue. Now, here, I want you to say, I want to help you, I want to help you. be all that God has created you to be. Now there's more. Hold on. No, hold that hands up. This, this is us supporting one another. This, it's not a party until you grab the sweaty wrist of someone next to you. And I will walk with you every step of the way. Now high five the guy that you just did. Go ahead and grab a seat. Now, if you really mean that, you'll walk it out. That's being melted down. That's being put into circulation. That's getting involved with one another on a real shallow level. I mean, I was reading somewhere where a church, not here, obviously, when they do the meet and greet time, instead of going, hey, go around and high five somebody or give someone uh, the Christian side hug or whatever, they say, go around and exchange cell phone numbers. Go around and exchange emails. Go around and exchange Facebook uh, addresses. Because they want to create a culture of people being connected. You know, it's, just, it's one thing to go, hi, I'm George. Good to see you every Sunday. <laughs> than it is to say, you know what, I'm George. Here's all my contact info. Let's get together. Let's get involved. It's different, isn't it? But see, that's what we're called to do. So that stupid little raise your hand thing. I mean, that's my motto. I do. I want to be all that God has created me. And I know that's what you guys want to do. But I want to surround myself with people who can encourage me. Who can hold my arms up when they're tired and, 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 and I'm beat and I can't go on anymore. I want someone to come alongside me and say, give me your wrist. I'm going to hold them up for you. We're going to walk through this together. Job chapter 4 verse 4, man. It's a great, great reminder. It says, your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have strengthened the feeble knees. With words. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to close this with this one last point, because I think it's, it's, this is important. It's probably one of the most important points that, that uh, I can convey about encouragement. And that's we encourage, we are to encourage by our example. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 
it, it's really an encourager's checklist. And I, I don't want to um, go through the whole uh, passage. But I encourage you to check out 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 11 through 23. And it highlights... Uh, and it reminds us as Christ followers that we can be a great encouragement to one another by our example. I got two quotes from two stellar minds. One is John Maxwell. You ever heard of that guy? I love what he says when he says, people seek models to follow. And he says, be an example. And then this other stellar mind says, stop making excuses and start living the example. That was, uh, who said that one? <laughs> but it's true. Man, I still feel, oh, I'm going to tire. Oh. There's a story of a guy who got in a severe accident and, and uh, he was paralyzed. And it, it, just, it was laboring for him just to even breathe. But he, he made a commitment that he, he was going to use his life to be an encouragement for others. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. Uh, and I'm going to hack this story up. But the point is this. Even though he's paralyzed and it was hard for him to breathe and do just the, the, the mundane things of life, he wanted to be actively involved in a prison ministry. So what he did is he, he mustered up his, enough strength uh, twice a week to write letters to prisoners because he couldn't go there physically. So he said, I'm going to write it. And man, it took him all day to write like a short letter. And he'd mail it off. And he did this week after week after week after week. Never got a response. Years later, he, got, uh, he finally got a response back. And by this time, you, this guy would be pretty discouraged, wouldn't he? Man, is my, is my encouragement having an effect and impact on people? Man, am I even, why should I be doing this? He got this response back, and it was from a prison guard who, who read the mail before it went to the, the, the inmates. Just one line. says, Please use the best paper you can afford. Your letters get passed cell to cell and eventually fall apart because it gets passed around so much. Man, that... We got to encourage even when we don't get something back. What a great model to follow. Stop making excuses. This guy had every excuse. And, oh, I'm paralyzed. I can't write. I, can't, I can barely breathe. And start living the example. Sometimes the best way for a person to encourage others is to act. Or, or Sometimes the best way for a person to encourage others to act is for him to act himself. For example, Thomas Stonewall Jackson. Get this, he received his nickname because of his stance during a bloody battle. In the middle of the first battle of the bull run, the southerners began to break ranks and run. But General Jackson sat on his horse and faced the enemy with the sword drawn, awaiting to do combat when they arrived. Someone shouted, Hey, there's, there's Jackson like a stone wall. The southern troops rallied and joined him. And the battle was won. He did not have to, to beg or plead with those men to stand firm. He just set an example to follow. Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 11, You must follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The Lord set the example for his disciples. 
to follow in all areas of, of life, faith, and encouragement. And as a result, the lives of so many were transformed. Life of Peter, life of Matthew, life of Timothy, life of Luke, life of George Willis, life of Jim Fredericks, life of Ralph. So many people's lives were transformed, as well as all of those who trust and obey Christ's word. Jesus was the greatest example. Paul was a great example. And there's a number of heroes of our faith that were also great examples. Why? Because they were following Jesus. They walked the talk. For you intellectuals, they promenaded their loquacity. We have a lot of religious or spiritual people today. We have a lot of movie stars and politicians who are religious and like to tell about the religion and their spirituality. But what God needs and, and, and what we need are other Christians uh, or what we need as other Christians are more people living out their faith than just not talking about it. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People need to see the Christian life being lived out in a genuinely encouraging way and genuinely encouraging one another before they will believe our message about Jesus Christ and the gospel. Friends, we need one another. I can't stress that enough, so I'm not going to try. What I'm going to have to do is stand up and I want you to face the person you're standing next to. Go ahead. And we're going to close with this. If you're on the end and you feel lonely, just group with somebody. Look them in the eye and say, I need you. Look them in the eye and say, you need me. And as Hezekiah Walker once sang, we're all just one big godly family. You don't have to repeat that. Unless you want to sing it. But see, that's what we need. We, we need one another. Here's what I want, you, I want to ask you this morning. Will you encourage someone today? Will you say a kind word to someone today? Will you write someone an encouraging note today? Will you visit with them today? Will you get involved with someone today? You and I just might be the one person that keeps a discouraged person from falling into the black hole of hopelessness. We need more encouragers. And I can stand up here and tell you that the moment you accepted Christ into your life, you were equipped. You were equipped to walk out his call and his purpose for your life. It says that you'll never face anything that you cannot handle, right? So those insecurities, I can't encourage him and I'm not feeling it myself. Go to God. 
we got to start seeing others from a godly perspective. Jesus was all about people. And that has to be our business too. The greatest encouragement of all was when Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for our sins. I want to ask you, today has your life been encouraged by the amazing grace of God? Whether by word or through the actions of somebody you interacted with this morning or just in general. If not, then I'd like to invite you to take full advantage of the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. By placing your life and trust in his hands and by repenting uh, of your sins. Confessing his name so your sins will be washed away. And I guarantee you, you will have a new life and you will walk out those doors encouraged. I don't know where you are, but God does. I don't know what you're dealing with, where your heart is, but God does. Normally, pastors would stand up here and go, let's close our eyes so everybody feels comfortable and no one's looking around and raise your hand if you want to accept Christ. I say, you're going to have to live this life in view of everybody out there. So there's no reason to do it in secret in church. This should be the safest place you will ever enter that you can throw your life into the hands of Jesus Christ. Not going to do an altar call. Uh, I know our prayer team will be available for you on either side of the stage. And if you want the ultimate encouragement if you want to be if you want to experience a relationship with the ultimate encourager I want you to march your tail end up to somebody up here and say I want Jesus Christ and I want to live it out in a real way and I want to experience a real God and I want to get out there and I want to be his hands and his feet for those around me